This is the SETN Podcast with Chris Goforth and Chandler Morrison, covering high school football in Chattanooga and the Southeast Tennessee area. The SETN Podcast. It is week two of the high school football season here in Southeast Tennessee. Chris Goforth alongside Chandler Morrison is uh, we are set to roll here on another edition of SETN Podcast. You can find us on Facebook, facebook.com slash SETN Podcast in Chandler. We are super pumped to announce you can now find us on iTunes as well. Yep, you go and look for podcasts, the Southeast TN Preps podcast. You'll find us. Listen to it on your way to work. Listen to it when you have some downtime or when you don't have anything else to do, whatever suits you both. Hey, we are we are perfect yard mowing, grass cutting, treadmill walking slash running, bicycling podcast. That's what we're here for. Then you can find us in iTunes. You go to the Southeast TN Prep Podcast. You can find us there. You can also find us on Twitter as well. He is at Sports Chandler. I'm at Chris Goforth One, and we are glad to have you along with us this week. Need to let folks know, coming up a little later on in the program, Stephen Hargis, sports editor of the Chattanooga Times Free Press, he will be with us. So we're going to kind of work Stephen into our game preview. We're going to talk about a lot of games with Stephen. We'll talk about a lot of teams with Stephen. Uh, we'll do that. We'll touch on some of the other games. We'll get to some of our picks. Uh, hopefully we are both better this week than we were last week. But I want to kick it off with some news and, and notes. And I guess really the one thing this week that really kind of made news was the High School Football Associated Press Top Ten for the state of Tennessee was uh, was released. And I'm going to ask you, okay, because this is something, I'll be honest, I, I looked at it this week because we're actually, you know, because we were going to talk about it today, and I knew that. But this is probably the first time I have looked at the AP Top Ten for high school football in literally, I'm going to guess, 20 years. Okay, I mean, literally at least 15, 16, 17 years anyway. I've just, I don't look at it anymore. I don't know that, you know, again, that I've paid attention to it in in years for a couple of reasons. Number one, all this stuff is going to shake out because we are, thankfully, we do have a playoff system. The other thing is the voting to this is so screwballed. And it's, you know, Every pocket of the state, like, votes for their teams. So there's so few people who cover the entire state and are knowledgeable about the entire state. I don't know that any of it sometimes makes sense. Clay County, Clay County. Now, let me tell you about Clay County. Clay County got a first-place vote in the Class 1A poll. They are not ranked in the top ten, Chandler. They got a first-place vote. Whitwell beat Clay County last year in round one of the playoffs, 65-6, to six, and they got a first-place vote. Yeah, I, I've always thought that this – oh, sorry, Chris, I didn't mean to interrupt you. I always thought it was really, really ridiculous. I, this The Clay County thing is really just kind of showing people that, hey, you probably don't need to pay attention to this. I mean, it's just, it's just ludicrous. I mean, you know, you know Chattanooga has had up to two or three two, three, four votes in the past. And I remember uh, two years ago, Sequatchie County was up there at number one, number two, somewhere in there. But you got to think you had, you know, Nat- the Nashville, the Cook Bull, Chattanooga, and all those. 
they were kind of all central. So it's kind of gilded towards teams that are on the edge of media uh, media region. So, I mean, it's just ridiculous the way it plays out. There's some of these, like, let's take Class A, for instance. All right, Greenback's number one. I get it. They're the defending state champions. They got 13 first-place votes. I'm fine with that. South Pittsburgh's number two. I got no problem with that. Uh, Cornersville, Huntington, Lake County round out the top five. Whitwell is six. I think Whitwell's probably a little bit better than that. You go Coalfield, Cloudland, Dresden, and Wayne County. There's a couple of teams there at seven, eight, nine, and 10 that are pretty much like perennial uh, state playoff teams. Those are the teams when you sit down every year, you look at the, the bracket, you always see those teams in it. it. It always comes back to me the fact that this is so centralized. People vote for the teams in their area. Look, I'm guilty of it. You go back to the 90s, from 1996 through 1999, 96, 97, 98, and 99, I had a vote in the AP poll and i always gave precedence to the local teams because i was more familiar with them than i was what was going on in the rest of the state and i tell this story and you've probably heard me tell this before but the same thing goes with the all-state team so there was one year and this would have probably been 1998 1999 i get a phone call one day and it's from Teresa Walker with the Associated Press. Teresa does a fantastic job, by the way, uh, with the uh, Associated Press. She is the one that would compile all the votes, put the all-state team together, and released it. So she calls me one day, and she said, hey, I've got a, I got a question for you. She said, I was looking at your, uh, your all-state selections here, and you know, she tells me, she said, you voted this kid in Class 3A as an all-state punter. And I said, yeah, I did. And she said, well, you and like nine other people, she said, this kid is, he's first team all state. She said, I just called his coach and the kid suffered a broken leg in the preseason. He hasn't punted all year. (laughs) And I was like, well, Teresa, I'll be honest with you. I couldn't find a 3A punter in Chattanooga, and I went to my Murphy Fair book, and that kid was a preseason All-State in Murphy Fair, and I said, I just put his name down. And so that's how so much of this stuff works. You know, and a lot of it does go by when you start talking about those teams like a Coalfield, Cloudland, Dresden, and Wayne County, and I'm not saying they don't belong there. I'm just saying I think a lot of those people get those kind of votes and end up in these kind of polls. Because people, those are familiar names. Those are the names, if you follow 1A football in the state of Tennessee, those teams, are you usually see them when the brackets come out in November. They're usually there. That's the way this works. You go to 2A real quick. Union City's number one. Now, we do have Meigs County ranked number two. Tyner is ranked number five. Marion County is, is ranked number eight. Uh, in this poll, I think I think Marion County is definitely a top ten team. I think eight is probably a pretty good spot for them. I think Tyner is better than number five. You know, Meigs County I think is pretty good at number two. And I, this is the other thing about the Class Two A one that jumped out to me, um, Chandler, and that is Columbia Academy in at number three. Columbia Academy 
a private school that has elected to to stay and play in the non-financial aid giving. They've taken the multiplier, moved up to 2A. And you know what? If I'm Grace in Chattanooga, if I'm Silverdale, and frankly, where Boyd Buchanan is right now, if I'm Boyd Buchanan, I'm electing to do this same thing. I think what Columbia Academy is doing is smart. I think it's given their kids an opportunity to be successful. And if I'm those three smaller private schools in Chattanooga, I'm looking to do this same thing because I don't see where there is an avenue for any of those three teams to be successful in Division Two. Yeah, I, I mean, we, we, we've seen it time and time again. I mean, they weren't, some of them weren't successful. I mean, Boyd was successful at the public school division, even in 2A. Uh, I think they might even be successful if they were, you know, with a multiplier to go up to 3A or something of that nature. I think it's really smart for Columbia Academy to do it. Now, I know that what I like about this is they moved up to 2A because they were, they were, recently they were in 1A because I remember they played against Whitwell, they played against South Pittsburgh. So moving to 2A is kind of a good a good spot for them, and it's a good spot competitively for all the other uh, teams in that in that area. Um, so I think it's a really good move for Club Academy to stay there. In 3A, we basically have one team that's ranked. That's Red Bank. They came in at uh, at number five. We have nobody ranked in Class 4A from our area. Chattanooga Central was among those uh, that was uh, receiving votes. We have nobody in 5A. In 6A, we have Bradley Central, who is in at number 10. They play Walker Valley this week. They lose to Walker Valley. We probably won't have a uh, team in 6A either. Yeah, and, uh, you know, they took on, I believe it was, uh, was it Farragut last week, Chris? Was that right? Yes. I believe, I believe that's who they took on. And Farragut, you know, ranked above them. You know, that's already another team that they're, you know, they may have to play in the playoffs later. But, you know, you've already got another team from their district in there with Maryville. I, I wonder if they can work their way up. But, you know, you got to wonder, too, because you got all these teams that are ranked 10. Now, now I think at the higher levels, at this poll works. I think at the 5A, the 6A, sometimes the 4A, it works because these teams like Maryville, like Oakland, they have a name and they're bigger. They have more resources. I think it works to have them in there. So it gives us a good idea of where Bradley Central ranks up the state. But the, the smaller schools, it just has no place for a poll to have for those. Over in Division Two, we have nobody in Division Two Class A, Division Two AA. Notre Dame is number three. Um, that may change in a couple of weeks. I could see Notre Dame uh, climbing that high. Silverdale, by the way, uh, how about the Seahawks? They are among the others receiving points. They got 13, uh, 13 points this week in the poll. So congratulations to Silverdale. And in Division Two, 3A, you have Macaulay, number two, behind Brentwood Academy. You have Baylor uh, at number four. And uh, we'll talk a little more about Macaulay coming up later on today when uh, Stephen Hargis, the editor of the Chattanooga Times Free Press, uh, sports editor of the Chattanooga Times Free Press, joins us to kind of talk a little bit of uh, about high school football and to preview some of the games from the week before we get to Stephen, because we're going to spend some uh, some fun times uh, with Stephen here in just a minute. Chandler, let's hit a couple of these games that are going on. Uh, on Friday night real quick. Let's start with Bradley Central. You just mentioned them and, and that 34 nothing loss they suffered to Farragut. 
four fumbles, four interceptions in that game. You turn the ball over eight times, they average just over three yards per carry. You're not going to win too many games. Yeah, we, we've yet to see a touchdown from this Bradley Central team, even even with the All-State quarterback and Dylan Sandiford. I hope that they can get the, the rivalry, kind of the rivalry in, in, in uh, county rivalry with the uh, Walker Valley there. Um, but, you know, I – I think Walker Valley's offense seemed to come alive in that central game, so this will be an interesting one, uh, and maybe it'll be a close one and, and one that'll be much down to the wire. Still think you need to watch Bradley's Trey Curry. Uh, I still think he's been the most impressive athlete that I have seen so far this season. He's just a 10th grader. I think this kid's going to be uh, – will be fantastic. Let's move on to our next one. Let's go central and Red Bank. Uh, I, I, I think Chattanooga Central is going to try to mash it right at Red Bank. They had 396 yards on the ground against Walker Valley. You got Hunter Jones, who kind of had the breakout game this past week. We know about Michael McGee. He was the region's offensive player of the year last year. This is a two-headed monster that is going to be hard to stop. Now, the question, Chandler, and again, I give you credit because you were on Central from the get-go back in the summer, but if you're going to win in 4A in November, sooner or later, you're going to have to throw the ball. And that's the question I have about Central. And I question it because we just haven't seen a lot of it yet. Uh, you know, if they're forced in a situation where maybe it comes this week against Red Bank, where Red Bank loads the box and, and forces them to have to throw it, if they're faced with that, can they do it? You know, that's, that's a good question. I, I'm not sure at this point, you know, that, that was their identity, was running the ball. And, you know, even with a, even with a back that they weren't, expect, they weren't expected to have uh, run that much. But I'm just not sure if they can pass the ball. This is going to be a real test. This is And this is going to be a real uh, defining moment for this central team as they go through the season. Uh, but when you talk about um, Red Bank, if, if Alan Jackson, he comes back, if he's healthy, you know, this one could turn into what you want to call a first-floor barn burner because it doesn't get off the ground. Um, but I think it's interesting, too, that, that Red Bank didn't have the game last week, right? So this is a first game for Red Bank. You want to see whether the experience of, a, of, a, of, a, of one game helps Central or if, if Red Bank just being pumped up and being ready to go this week is going to be a, a factor in this. I think this is going to be a high-stakes, high-energy game regardless of what the score is. East Hamilton, Saudi Daisy, um, another one that I think has a chance to be a good game. East Hamilton benefited from three Signal Mountain turnovers last week, sloppy weather. Uh, they did hurt themselves with ten penalties last week. Saudi, they didn't get a chance to play. Coaches talk about teams making that improvement from week one to week two. Uh, I, I want to. I think it's interesting to see how much better Ted Gatewood's team is at East Hamilton uh, this week compared to last week. It was a nice win for them beating Signal Mountain. I don't know that we really saw. I don't know how much you can tell about any of those games that were played last week, Chandler, because the weather was so bad. Yeah, I mean that definitely hurts the passing game. If you're looking to see who can pass the ball, well, we just don't know yet because all they've been able to do is run. If they did able to get a pass, it's been a short pass, maybe out of the backfield, maybe a two or three yard spurt. Uh, you know, I think that Saudi Daisy has a really good team this year, but there's so much improvement from week one to week two, like you said, 
And I, I, I just I just wonder, I think this will be a good matchup to watch if you love some trench warfare down there in, in on the line of scrimmage. Um, but, I mean, your Trojan got to be excited for the season, but there's so much that happens from week one to week two that they won't get to experience until next week. Marion County and Sequatchie County. Marion County, they're another team didn't get to play last week. Sequatchie County had to play in a monsoon. Marion County will be dedicating their field uh, or naming their field after their uh, former head coach in Ken Cockwood, a guy that won four state championships there. I think it'll be an emotional night in, in Jasper. I think it, this is one of those games where if you're Sequatchie County, Chandler, you get off the bus, you better be ready to go. You need a quick start because this crowd will be into it. This team will be motivated uh, with all the festivities that will go on pregame. You don't want to. This doesn't want to be. You don't want to find yourself down twelve nothing or fourteen nothing or sixteen nothing early in this one because if you do, it's Sequatchie County. It could snowball on you. Yeah, I, I just I don't know how much that offense is going to be able to go again. Like like we said earlier, the rain had a big impact. Sequatchie County is not known to throw the ball. I think that in certain situations they can, but as far as a, a feasible offense, they can't really throw the ball. So it's going to rely on how they can run the ball. And, you know, South Pittsburgh, I think, this year is a little faster than Marion County. We'll see this week. Um, so I, I'm interested to see, because I think what really hurt Sequatchie County was the speed on defense for South Pittsburgh last year. And I'll be interested to see if, if the running backs can get around the corner, if they can get through the line of scrimmage and, and beat Marion County down the field. That'll be the, the you know, major factor in this. And our, our last game to talk about this week, Signal Mountain against Tyner. I, I love this. I think this is a war. I, I think both of these teams are good. Um, I think you're talking about two big physical football teams. Signal wants to sling it around. Tyner can throw it, but I think Tyner would prefer to line up. They want to play old school, smash mouth, punch you in the face kind of football. Um, you know, what can both of these teams do on the dry field? I guess we'll find out. I'd like to see Signal run it a little more, maybe be a little bit more balanced. And, uh, you know, for Tyner, you know, they struck first against Udawa, jumped out, had that 7 nothing lead, and then Udawa roars back. And, of course, they didn't get to finish that game. Um, they ended up calling it at halftime. And so it does go down as a loss for Tyner down 21-7 and, at the half, and, and that's the way things would end. They weren't able to finish. But I'm excited about this one. If there's one game this week you're going to pay to go to, um, as far as I'm concerned, I think Signal Mountain Tyner is it. What I like about this one is both these teams played a bigger school last week. They kind of got their field for it. They kind of got the David versus Goliath out of their system. Now they get to pick on somebody their own size. And this could be two of the – Better offensive lines in the area, or I guess more experienced offensive lines in the area, signal a little bit more than Tyner. I'm very interested to see how this will play out. I think you're right. I think it will be a run versus pass. Who's going to win old school versus new school type deal with this? Chandler, let's head out on the uh, on our hotline here and uh, welcome in a special guest. Stephen Argus is the sports editor of the Chattanooga Times Free Press, and for the last, oh, I don't know, nearly – well, he might get mad if I say exactly how many years it's been. But it's been a long time that Stephen has been covering uh, prep football in and around Chattanooga. So glad to welcome him in here on SETN Preps Podcast. And uh, Stephen, thanks for giving us a few minutes hanging out. 
I want to talk a little bit about some of these games that are coming up uh, here in week two. Uh, also want to get your thoughts on maybe who some of the better teams in, in the area are. Before we get to all that, you got a book coming out. Um, it's your second book. This one is on the Marion County-South Pittsburgh rivalry, Eight Hateful Miles, for folks that maybe don't necessarily know about it. Fill them in on the book, how it came about, and, and uh, uh, when it will be available. Yeah, hey guys, uh, thanks for having me. It's it's uh, it's been like the last year and a half of, of my life working on this thing in all my spare time, and kind of put it to to, to rest uh, about a month ago as far as the writing part of it. So now it's just kind of in the publisher's hands. We're hoping to have it out in the next week. Uh, hope, hoping to get it out before the South Pitt Marion game it, itself uh, to have enough uh, enough copies published uh, to begin selling there that that, that week and that, and that night of that game. It's, you know, it's the second oldest rivalry in the state. Uh, for those that don't know, it's, you know, obviously one of the best rivalries, uh, you know, across the state, no matter classification or anything else. Just some of the things, the shenanigans from the fans and the players and coaches and things like that, that something that always seems to pop up every year that puts it in the news. So, uh, you know, just just the fact that they're the two most successful programs in the Chattanooga area when you, when you look at number of playoff wins, number of state championships, number of all-state players – all those kind of things. Like they've got all the credentials, you know, Hall of Fame coaches, former uh, players who went on to the NFL, that kind of thing. Just always growing up around it, uh, and then covering the rivalry since since '90. Just always thought, you know, that this would this could make a, a pretty cool book, uh, you know, to featureize the the state championship seasons by both programs, um, the players that went on, and you know, to the pros, the the coaches who were characters themselves and had Hall of Fame careers and that kind of thing. So. Uh, began working on it about two years ago, and, and uh, you know, pretty pretty excited to, to actually see it uh, once it comes once it comes together, and uh, proud of it. You know, it's it's 450 pages, about 27 chapters of uh, uh, you know detailing the, the history of the rivalry and, and some of the, the the folks who make it you know so colorful. So uh, we should have it out here in the next week or so. Uh, it'll be available on Amazon.com as well as through the publisher, which is Fresh Ink group.com uh and then we're you know we've spoken with several local businesses about carrying the book as well once it comes out but uh early on amazon.com and, and fresh group.com would be the best way to to get it it's called eight hateful miles so you'll be able to pick it up hopefully sometime here within the uh within the next week and i guess uh Stephen, folks can uh can uh find you on twitter uh, and uh follow along there and you can let them know when it's uh yeah, when it's available absolutely. as well Follow me at Steve, on Twitter at Stephen Hargis. Uh, that's S T E P H E N H A R G I S. And I'll, I'll announce once we have the, the release date on it. You can also message me on there if you, you know, if someone wants to, to know about more details about how to order one. Uh, feel free to message me there or on Facebook. Uh, you know, be glad to, to point you in the right direction. Chandler, you feel free to hop in whenever you want. I'm, I'm going to get Stephen's take on. Uh, as you look at, at where we are right now, and I know it's it's awfully, awfully early in the season, but you've had a chance through your trips around and practice and talking with coaches and as well as the jamboree and seeing a game or two in week one of the season. When we talk about Southeast Tennessee, do we have a state championship caliber team here? Um, I think we've got a couple of contenders, uh, or, or more than a couple, actually, guys. I think I think this is the best Macaulay team, potentially, if they stay healthy, the best Macaulay team we've seen in quite some time. So I think Macaulay 
could be a team that, that contends with Brentwood Academy. Of course, BA has won the last three Division II AAA state championships. I think Macaulay can contend with them. I think uh, by the end of the season, if they're healthy and all their weapons are still there, I think Notre Dame has a really good chance of getting back to the state championship game. Of course, they lost last year, but I think they've got a good chance of getting back there um, this year. Uh, in, uh, in, in 3A, Red Bank, uh, pretty much most of the nucleus is back from a state semifinal team. Of course, they would probably have to go through an Alcoa in the semifinals, but, uh, you know, they could, they could definitely make a run. Uh, in 2A, I think, you know, of course, Tyner has 14 starters back from a team that finished state runner-ups last year. And, and, you know, Wayne Turner feels like this is potentially a, just as good a team, so they could make a run. Or Meigs County, which was ranked number one for most of last season in 2A, they had all but one starter back on both sides of the ball including Aaron Swafford, who was a Mr. Football uh, semifinalist. So, uh, you know, Meigs County, uh, Tyner could square off in the semifinals for the right to go play for a state championship in 2A. Um, and then in 1A, I, th- I think you're looking at, you know, the winner between Whitwell and South Pittsburgh in the regular season hosting uh, a very likely rematch of the quarterfinals, and the winner there is probably going to host Greenback for a, a chance to go to a state championship. So, you know, one of those two teams in, in 1A. So I, I think we've got a handful of teams with legitimate state championship aspirations. Now, Stephen, when you talk about the Whitwell South Pittsburgh rivalry, of course, I, Valley is near and dear to all of our hearts. Uh, do you think Whitwell has what it takes to get past South Pittsburgh this year? Could this be the year that they try to make a run into the playoffs? Oh yeah, I, I absolutely. I, I think they may have potentially. You know, we'll let the season play out and make sure of it. But going into the season, they've got. Um, the best one-two backfield combination as far as running backs uh, that 1A probably has. Of course, Greenback lost, you know, their their stud uh, that transferred out. Uh, but Whitwell having those two guys, you know, with Josh Wingo and, and Hudson Petty, those are as good, either one of those are as good as any running back in the state, but to have them both in the same backfield um, and, and their offensive line, you know, is uh, coaches feel like they're, they're improved up front even over last year when they were pretty doggone good last year. So, I think those two guys are going to uh, ensure that, you know, Whitwell is, is a team uh, to contend with for anybody. But I, I definitely think, and, and the, of course, they get to play host to South Pittsburgh. So that's, you know, that's always worth uh, a little extra. Anytime uh, a team hosts in a rivalry like that, that's going to be a little extra juice for them. But those two guys, if they're healthy uh, when they play that game, both teams are healthy. I, I think they're, you know, pretty evenly matched. Stephen, you mentioned Macaulay a few minutes ago and the best Macaulay team we've seen in a while. Can you draw comparisons to, say, some of those teams in the um, earlier in the 2000s that uh, that Coach Potter had there that were, were really good? And then, of course, the team with B.J. Coleman that lost to Brentwood Academy in the state championship game. Can you draw any kind of comparisons from those Macaulay teams to this one? Um. A little early to tell as far as comparisons because it's a different style right now, Chris. I mean, you've got D'Angelo Hardy is, is a dual-threat quarterback. Of course, B.J. was always more of a passer. D'Angelo is more of a runner who's worked on his passing game, and they've got a, a, a stud running back who's just a sophomore, and B.J. Harris scored the first time he touched the ball last Friday against CCS, and he's already he's a guy who, as a sophomore, already has several SEC offers. Um, <clears throat> so offensively, they've got a lot of weapons, but they, they rely more – now on running the ball than they did back then. And I, I think the big difference, the big question mark for me would be uh, defensively for Macaulay. Those those state championship teams they had early in, in, in Ralph's career there several years ago, 
you know, and they had guys like Katie Balkum at linebacker that were, you know, really, really good. I mean, college-level linebackers and, and defensive linemen that, that made McCauley's defense really good. And last year, that was that was their kind of their bugaboo. They, they had trouble slowing some people down, especially, you know, the, the bigger schools, B.A. and some of those guys on their on their schedule. They, uh, they had trouble defensively. So if, if they've improved there, which I, I just spoke to Grant Reynolds to do a, a preview for uh, McCauley's game this week. They host Madison Academy. And, and Grant said, you know, that that's the, the noticeable difference he saw in what film he has seen of McCauley so far is that it looks like defensively they, they are definitely improved. Stephen Hargis, he is the uh, prep editor or the uh, sports editor now, the Chattanooga Times Free Press and a longtime uh, prep writer uh, covering high school football and uh, kind enough to spend a few minutes with us. Let's talk about some of the better games this week in uh, in week two around the area. Uh, you'll Chandler mentioned the, the Sequatchie Valley earlier, and Marion County and Sequatchie County meet um, Friday night in Jasper. I don't know how good of a game it's going to be, but I think it's a game of some significance because what will happen before the game when Marion County will name the field after uh, Ken Cockwood, their former head coach, who won a couple of state championships, four to be exact. So he also was at Sequatchie County for a little while, uh, along with Grundy County, too. When you when you look at this matchup, um, what well, where do you see Marion County right now? I see a team that, Stephen, I really feel like is maybe another year, maybe two years away from being back in that that real strong conversation of winning a state championship. I think they, they've got some explosive talent. I just think so much of it is young there. Yeah, and, and they're, you know, I'm sure there's an adjustment period still. They, they've gone to the spread from, you know, Joy Mathis for, has, you know, for years and years has, has been a wing T guy, so this is, this is an adjustment for them going to to the spread, it, they, and they did so just because it, it's a better suited to what they have as far as in the backfield. They've got you mentioned some explosive guys, you know. They've got Tony Sampson at quarterback, and I, I still want to call him Isaiah, even though I, I've, I've been told he prefers to be called Tony. Tony Sampson, who's a third year starter, uh, back at quarterback, and, and is you know a guy who can beat teams with his legs as well as with his arm. And then you've got uh, you know the Nelson kid. Uh, who's, who's a really good running back for them. I mean, they, they've got some explosive guys who can keep them in ball games. It's just right now the, the big question there is, you know, up front, you know, how, how good are they up front? Um, and it, it's hard to replace. You, you've had well, the last three or four years, when you look at the number of all-region and all-state caliber players that Marion has graduated, small schools don't just replace those kind of guys. When, when you have a run of talent like they've had, uh, here in these last, you know, four years or so when they, you know, three state championship appearances and, and, uh, you know, last year made a nice run deep in the playoffs as well. But when you lose that many playmakers like they have on both sides of the ball, it, it's tough for small schools to, to kind of weather that. And there's, there's always going to be a, a bit of a down cycle. You know, I, I'm not saying there, there there's going to be a huge downturn for Marion, but I, I think just from where they've been the last few years, you know, they, they might be uh, a year or two away from getting back up. Uh, to be in that caliber of team. Uh, but, you know, the, the kids that they've got uh, carrying the ball for them, they're going to make some big plays for them. And I think once they adjust to this, this spread, uh, you know, I think they'll be a contender in that region. Um, you know, I, as, as far as Coach Cockwood, I, I think this was this was one of those things that was like when I found out that he had not been um, inducted in the Hall of Fame until, you know, a couple of years ago. I was like, you just assumed that had already taken place. And this, 
know, the naming of the field for him is something that's well-deserved and probably long overdue. He's, he's a guy who won 82% of the games that he coached at Marion. You know, you, th- you think about how staggering is that? That's, uh, you know, 56 and one during one stretch, three state championships in four years and one, you know, four titles in six years. I mean, the guy is everything you would, you would expect a Hall of Fame coach to be. I mean, his players, uh, all still rave about, you know, the life lessons he taught them, not just as far as the game, but what he taught them in terms of how they care themselves, you know, as a husband and as, as a man, I, I think he represents everything that, you know, the school should be proud of. And I think this is, uh, this is well-deserved to, to have the field named after Ken. Of course, when I spoke to Ken earlier this week to congratulate him about it, of course, you know, he joked that it was a little embarrassing for him because he wasn't a one-man show. It was the whole staff that he had put together, and it was an enviable staff when he was there, you know, uh, with the Don Stewarts and, and Johnny Grimes and, you know, all those guys that they had for, you know, Landon Pickett. I mean, goodness gracious, you start going through the, the all-star guys that they had as assistants, and that's what he, his point was. You know, that it should be alumni field was, was the point he was trying to make. But, uh, you know, as, as I pointed out to him, he took, he took the heat when they would lose games, and he got the credit when they would win games, probably more so on both sides than he would have liked. But, you know, this is, this is a, definitely a, a deserving honor to name the field after Ken Cockett. What's missing at Sequatchie County? Um, what's missing? You know, I, I don't know. They, they look like they have really good size. I mean, I, I saw them in the Jamboree. Uh, they look like, you know, your, your basic power team from, from the Sequatchie Valley that's going to come right at you. I mean, that's always been kind of been Mark Wattenbarger's uh, trademark offense is, is you know, they're, they're going to be uh, tough runners come right at you. No, not real fancy. Uh, wing T with a big fullback. Uh, they like to. Typically, his teams have liked to, you know, kind of control the clock and, and wear on you and beat you in the second half where they just kind of wear you down. And I think that looks like from the, the personnel that I saw at the Jamboree, that's, you know, they, they've got that, you know, 250-pound fullback kind of kid that can just lean on you and take the three or four yards of whack and, and drive the ball and, and wear you down. So um, kind of remains to be seen. I know Adam Kane did a tremendous job in the years that he was there. Uh, I, I think the world of Adam, I think he is a uh, – He's a big-time coach and, and really elevated the program and, you know, kind of anxious to see what Coach Wattenberger, you know, he'll, he'll put his spin on some things. And uh, kind of early for me to tell. I haven't seen a whole lot of Sequatchie. I know, I know uh, the numbers were good. The size is good. We'll just have, kind of have to let the, the season play out and see uh, what those guys bring. Now, Stephen, do you feel like the uh, the Sequatchie County is going to be one that, you know, of course you get these valley matches when you get two teams that are pounding against each other. It just comes a stalemate. It just comes a good game. Do you feel like this is going to be a team we're going to see them maybe if they're going to come alive this season during their during their region where you know it's more spread out more against outside runs? Was it for Sequatchie? I'm sorry, Chandler. You mean Sequatchie or? Yes, yeah, Sequatchie. Yeah, yeah, I, I think so. I, I think you know they're they're probably still trying to a little bit like we we talked about Marion, maybe still searching a little bit for the identity of, of what they're going to be, and, and once they they figure that out, uh, you know, from what I saw at the Jamboree. I think once they kind of figure out their identity that they could be really tough to handle. Uh, that's just, a, that's a big thing to overcome. Kind of when you have uh, some new starters, uh, guys in new, new areas or, or new coaches, any kind of turnover that you have like that, it's always the early part of the season is always so much about finding out who you are and kind of what your personality is. And I think that might be where they still are right now. 
I think one of the more interesting matchups this week in week two, Stephen, is Signal Mountain and Tyner. Signal Mountain wants to sling it around the field. Tyner is more of that lineup, run at you, grind it out kind of style uh, with uh, with Coach Turner. How do you see that game and those two styles kind of playing out Friday night? Yeah, it's always it's harder for me to imagine. Signal Mountain does want to throw it around a little bit, and they've got some some good athletes to throw to. Um, but it's hard for me to, to if, if Tyner's as good as Wayne Turner has alluded going into the season, then this is the game probably where they, they start to prove that. Um, you know, Signal Mountain is, is much improved from where they have been, but they're not the, they're still not the Signal Mountain of old. And, and they lost last week to East Hamilton, a game they probably you know felt like they were going to win. So this is one of those where, where Tyner really needs to go ahead and step up and, and be the team that that they're you know they're projected to be and that their coach feels like they can be. I think they've just got way too many athletes. I mean, if they play the way that they should and they don't shoot themselves in the foot, which is, uh, you know, something that early in the season especially hurt Tyner last year, uh, with the weapons that they've got, I mean, my goodness, they've got four running backs who are 190 pounds or, or, or bigger. They can run it right at you. And they've got a receiver uh, in Jeremiah Batiste who's already an all-state caliber receiver. I mean, he's already getting looks from Georgia as, as a sophomore, you know, getting looks from – Last year was getting loose from Georgia Tech and some others. So this year as a junior, I really expect him to really uh, kind of take off and, and be. You know, Wayne Turner has said that Jeremiah Batiste is the best pass catcher he has ever coached. You know, in 26 years as a coach there, that, that tells you something because they've had some guys who, uh, you know, through the years who have gone on to play college ball from Turner as receivers and defensive backs. But he said this guy, if the ball's in the air, Jeremiah Batiste is the best he's ever seen it going out and getting it. And I know last year at Marion, he was the one who really kind of turned the, the momentum Tyner's way in the second half with a couple of big catches, including a, a circus catch in the end zone for a touchdown. And I think, you know, he, he should have a uh, a big game Friday and, and kind of lead Tyner to get them going in the direction they need to go if they're going to get back to the state championship game. And, Steve, when you talk about Signal Mountain, you know, we, we talked about the Signal Mountain old just while ago. What do you think it's going to take to be able to get Signal Mountain back in that position uh, in the next year or two? I think they're heading in the right direction. The big thing for them the last couple of years up until this season was just the numbers, the overall numbers, the lack of depth they had when, when uh, you know, before Josh Roberts took over two years ago, their numbers, they were down to like single A type numbers trying to play 3A and 4A competition, and, and they were just getting their brains beat in. So I think, you know, the fact that he's gotten the athletes walking the halls, uh, to come back out, you know, he's got three basketball players that hadn't played until this year who are all going to contribute at receiver and defensive back who are really, really athletic for him. I think things are definitely going in the right direction. They, they look more like a 3A team as far as physically up front and their athletes. Uh, they're going in the right direction. It's just, I mean, that program had hit rock bottom for, uh, for Signal Mountain. It was, it was as bad. I mean, probably when they started, their program several years ago uh, as a JV program, they were probably better off than they were then uh, than they were, you know, three years ago before Josh took over and, and started rebuilding the roster. Stephen, I think Chandler has been, uh, he's kind of been on, on Chattanooga Central since, since back in the summer. I was impressed with, you know, with what they were able to do um, this last week with the win. I, I know they looked really good in the Jamboree, but I was also factoring in, Exactly who it was they were facing in the jamboree the time that I when I got to see them in 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 person. Now after having seen them for a little bit, uh, are, are you buying what uh, Kurt Jones has been able to do very quickly, seemingly at Central? Oh yeah, yeah. I, I think the 
the turnaround for Central started last year with, with Courtney Braswell and what he was already building with those guys. And then Kirk coming in and, and you know, what he had picked up as, a, as an assistant since he'd been a head coach at Central. Uh, you know, he, he's moved around and been an assistant, a successful assistant coach, including last year at Notre Dame. Uh, defensively, they look, they look, you know, more sound than they have in several years. Offensively, they're running the single wing and it's a, it's a power single wing. I mean, they've got Michael McGee, who's an all-state running back, uh, Jayheim Jones, uh, who's basically another running back playing quarterback. And then a kid who had a breakout last week was a kid named Hunter Jones, who's not related to Kurt Jones or Jayheim Jones. But he had, you know, a 65-yard run, an 88-yard run, finished with 170 yards. I mean, they've got breakaway speed at, you know, four or five uh, different kids who are going to get their hands on the ball. So they're going to be a dangerous team. This week they've got Redback. You know, that's 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 the game I'm going to be at, and I'm really interested to see uh, how that matchup goes because there's, there's athletes on both sides of the field, and I think Central uh, can definitely line up and, and play with, with the likes of Redback right now. You know, I mean, last week, Red Bank didn't get that game against Saudi. You know, you got a new coach. I mean, they had a great team last year. They they inherited a lot. How difficult is it going to be for that first game for Chris Brown to not only be the first game of the season, but his first as the head coach at Red Bank? It's tough. I mean, that's a tough matchup just because you've got a team, you know, with that single wing that you don't typically see that style of offense. So it's a little different as far as preparing for it this week. Uh, you know, I, I know you, you could feel – like the air being let out of a balloon last week when those storms hit, uh, you know, Saudi Daisy and Red Bank kids on both sides were really excited because that's a rivalry game. So uh, it was kind of deflating not to get to play that game. And, and now, you know, you have to get back up and, and play a dangerous central team that, you know, can can upset Red Bank. I mean, let's just be honest. If, if Red Bank doesn't play well, Central could walk out of there with a win. So, you know, I know that they've got Red Bank's attention. Uh, and, and, you know, the thing for Red Bank right now is Calvin Jackson's not healthy. He's probably – He's kind of day to day. He's questionable whether he'll play with a with a hamstring injury, and and uh, you know if he doesn't, then that's an all state receiver slash athlete that you take off the field for Red Bank, uh, and he's you know not just receiver and, and and running back potentially, but he's also you know kick returner, punt returner, uh, can play defense. I mean he's all over the field, the best player on the field, and now you're taking him off the field probably uh, this week. So it's it's a dangerous game for Red Bank. Stephen, real quick before we uh, before we let you go, we'll play a little little bit of rapid fire. We're going to throw a couple of questions at you uh, from both uh, Chandler and I, and we just want to get your response. So, if you're ready, we'll go ahead and get started. Fire away. Why does everybody think you hate their team? <laughs> I guess I just have this air of being a smartass with the way I carry myself. Because <laughs> even. Even, I mean, I'm, it's no secret. I'm from South Pitt and I've had people from South Pitt who will just, uh, who just rail on me about, you know, why I don't cover the Pirates or why I don't like the Pirates or this kind of thing. And of course, you know, you know, a lot of good natured ripping with my, my buddies at Marion about how, you know, some of those folks think I feel about them. Uh, when the truth of the matter is, I mean, you know, this, Chris, I once paid my own way to go cover a Marion playoff team. <laughs> When the paper wasn't going to cover Marion, and I said, well, I'm going to go on my own dime to cover them because they need to be covered in the quarterfinals. Uh, I, I guess there's something about I must have resting bitch face or something where people just think I'm, <laughs> I, I just don't like their team. So. Go ahead, Chandler. Was that TMI? Was that too much information? <laughs> Just enough, right? Okay. <laughs> uh, I mean, 
you, you've been doing this a while. What's the biggest, like, non-rivalry, non-rivalry high school football game that you've been able to cover? The biggest non-rivalry game? Yeah. Um, that's a good question. Oh, man. Um, I would say the one that always jumps to mind was, was back in the early 2000s when Red Bank hosted Macaulay. Red Bank would go and win the state championship. Macaulay was a year away from winning the state championship. And I remember at kickoff, it was at, at Red Bank Community Stadium, and standing on the sidelines looking up at that, that hill, the road uh, that leads down to the, to the school, all you saw were headlights of people. I mean, the stands were already packed, and all you saw were people of just a line of people still trying to get in. I mean, it was a huge crowd and just two great teams going at it. And that was one of the funner atmospheres, really. And that's why I always loved the, the games on you know, the South Pitt Marians and when Baylor Macaulay are on campus. You love those those games that are on campus uh, as far as rivalries. But as far as, you know, that, that wasn't really a rivalry. That was just two great teams going after each other. That, that, that night was a lot of fun because you had Gerald Riggs for Red Bank. You know, and you, you had Macaulay was just loaded with, with names that were going to play in college somewhere uh, along the line later, and, and those were two great teams going at it. Do you refer to Marion County as Jasper in private conversations? I, I do to the people from Jasper when I want to get under their skin. Absolutely. I, I, I love to just see their reaction when I'll say Jasper and see how long it takes for them to correct me and say that it's Marion County. But I have that's one of the first things I did, and one of the first things I taught my son when he was – going to start taking calls for us was you have to be politically correct. Even though we grew up, even when we didn't mean it disrespectfully, you just grew up saying Jasper. The same as I still say Dunlap sometimes when I'm talking about Sequatchie. Uh, It's just kind of one of those things where if you're in the Valley, you just kind of call it by the town where the school is. But I I learned early on that that was going to be something that was going to be an issue, uh, you know, as far as professionally, if people thought I was disrespecting. So I made it a point to, to constantly beat into my own head, you know, to say Marion. But I do love my, my friends from Jasper when I see them. I do love to call them Jasper just to see how long it takes for it to get under their skin. Now, I know you, you, you tend to be down there on the field covering these games. You don't like to be in the press box. But what's the no, best I, stadium, in your opinion, to watch a game in? Best stadium to watch a um, As far as, like, like best view, I, I tell you what, one that, that – you know, you probably don't think about it right away, but I really enjoy going to Polk County because it's, it's got one of the prettier views around, uh, if, you know, just the mountains and the scenery and, and that kind of thing. Um, I mean, I, you know, I'm from South Pitt. I love going there and listening to the Railbirds who not only get onto the, the other team, but they'll, you know, I remember one, one year in the playoffs when South Pitt was, was playing in a semifinal game and, and they were just gashing the team that they were playing, like, you know, getting eight, ten yards of whack. And they ran one play. They only picked up like three yards, and the guy behind the sideline there overheard him, you know, like yelling at, at Vig. He's like, "What the hell kind of call is that?" <laughs> so they only gained like three yards. So I love, you know, being on the sidelines for any of those games. I'm always kind of tuned in to listen to, you know, what the, what the fans behind were saying. Uh, but as far as stadiums, I mean, man, there's that's the thing about the valley. I mean, I I guess just the fact that I'm from the Sequatchie Valley, you know, Dunlap's got a great. Uh, venue. I, I love covering games at Sequatchie County, Marion County. You know, I, I walked their sidelines and, and loved to listen to the Railbirds there. Uh, back when North Jackson was really good, they had one of the better atmospheres anywhere around. So, you know, for me, you take your pick. Whatever team's having a good season in the Valley, I love to go there because, you know, those fans, that's what high school football is all about. Stephen, you may or may not know this, but Chandler is the sports editor of the UTC newspaper, The Echo. 
So yes. here's your chance to impart some wisdom on a young sports writer. What's the one piece of advice you would give to somebody trying to get started as a sports writer? Uh, learn to sell used cars instead. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, I was That's so, what my whole family thinks anyway. Yeah, I, honestly, I, I mean, just be willing to cover anything. I mean, here's the thing. I, you know, growing up in the Valley, I, I, didn't, I didn't know much about, you know, covering tennis or soccer or those kind of things. But I learned early on that there are good stories in every sport. So what I would always do is even if I didn't know much about the sport itself, I would talk to as many coaches or, or you know, people on the sidelines, hangers on whatever as I could uh, to learn as much as I could about it, but to find those stories that, because the universal thing is, you know, there are going to be people who could care less about reading a soccer story or a tennis story or even a football story, but they universally like good stories about people. So if, you, if you're looking to be, you know, a sports writer or anybody, I would say is to find those human interest feature type stories uh, where you're writing more about the person uh, who just happens to be involved in sports as opposed to you're writing about a game. Because a game, especially nowadays, most people are going to know the score immediately, whether it's through watching it or through Twitter or that kind of thing. So uh, to sit down and actually keep somebody's attention reading the story, typically it needs to be an interesting angle about somebody because everybody's interested to know, you know other people's personal stories. Those are the things that, that you know I like to read, and I think other people do too. Wrap us up, Chandler. All right. Your most embarrassing moment as a sports writer, sports reporter, wherever you want to Um, I was once walking from the hospitality room at a, at a district basketball tournament uh, on my way back to press row. Happened to look down at my phone at a bad time when a, a, a shot caromed off the rim. Uh, hit my hand. Coat goes flying up all over me, all over the floor. Uh, you know, just made a mess of things. And, uh, you know, that, that was, that was pretty embarrassing because they had to stop action and, and, uh, you know, clean, clean up for me or whatever. I, I've had several, several times where I almost got ran over on the sideline. That's one of the hazards of walking the sidelines is if you're looking down to right the previous play and you're not paying attention, I can almost promise you that's when a screen pass is going to come your way or something like that. So I've, uh, I've, I've gotten nailed on the sidelines a few times, but luckily I was paying close enough attention. I was able to brace for it and, uh, and not get knocked on my butt, but, uh, you know, that's, that's kind of all, you know, part of it. Stephen, thanks, man. Thanks for hanging out with us. And, again, want to encourage people, check out the book when it's coming out. Eight Hateful Miles, over 400 pages of high school football, and you can find Stephen on Twitter at Stephen Hargis. Thanks, man. Good to hear from you, and I'm thanks. sure we will, chat, we will uh, catch up with you again as we go through the season. Anytime, guys. Uh, thanks to Stephen Hargis of the uh, Chattanooga Times Free Press for being with us. Hopefully we'll get a chance to visit with Stephen uh, a couple of times as we go through this season. I also want to make mention, too, that, you know, from time to time, uh, you know, we may have some other sports riders on with us, maybe some guys as we get closer to playoff time, maybe some guys from around the state. And, of course, uh, look forward to being able to chat with some head coaches here uh, every week on uh, the SETN podcast. And uh, hopefully you'll make plans to be with us real quick Chandler it's time to get to our picks Um, surely to goodness we are better this week than we were last week I'll lead us off Central Red Bank I've heard enough of you Chandler I'm buying into Central now you've made me a believer Um, I still want to see them prove they can throw the ball if they're going to have success 
uh, deep into November, but but I like Central. Yeah, I, I like Central too. I, I've actually went to the point that I, I wrote these scores in just to see what they look like. Uh, I've got Central winning forty nine twenty seven, pretty pretty good margin there. I think I don't think it's going to be as close as as we think it's going to be. East Hamilton, Saudi Daisy. We haven't seen Saudi yet. Again, we talk about that improvement teams make from week one to week two. I think take Ted Gatewood and his staff, they'll have uh, East Hamilton better this week than they were last week, so I'll take the Hurricanes. Yeah, I still think that Saudi Daisy is probably one of the teams to watch this year. I think they're going to be a dark horse for maybe making a run. I've got them winning this one, and only because I just I just feel like they're, they're a dark horse, and East Hamilton, yeah, they got that game behind them, but you know, it, it's—I think it'll be a little bit wild. I think it's going to be like a 35-27 game. Signal Mountain and Tyner again. If there's one game you're going to pay money to go watch this week, this would be the one. I think it's a slugfest. It's an old-fashioned slobber knocker. Uh, come the fourth quarter, I just have a hard time right now. You're talking about a team that uh, I think has the potential in Tyner to play for a state championship this year. I just have a hard time, um, at least right now, picking against Tyner, even though I think Signal Mountain's really good. I think they're a playoff team, but I think Tyner has the potential to win a state championship. So I'm going to ride the Ram train one more week. Yeah, I mean, I've actually got Signal Mountain winning this one. I just, I don't know. There's just something, there's just feeling about Signal Mountain. You know, back in the day, Signal Mountain was the team, and I feel like they're, you know, trying to get that swagger back, and they might start to get, uh, you know, a passing game good. That rush, if they can get the rushing game working, I think they can be a threat come playoff time. I've got them winning this one by a touchdown. All right, Chandler. Uh, again, hopefully we both fare a little better this week than we did last week because last week we were horrible. All right, so. You don't forget, you can find us on Twitter at Sports Chandler. You can find me at Chris Goforth1. This is the SETN podcast on Facebook, facebook.com slash SETN preps. And you can also find us on iTunes now. Finally, we're there. The Southeast TN prep podcast. Chandler, anything else? Any final thoughts? Did we miss anything this week? I'll take that as a no, Chandler. (laughs) We didn't miss a thing this week. We have covered it all. So, uh, let's see. We will reconvene again probably Sunday night. We'll bring you a new podcast hopefully again on Monday. We'll kind of preview these games. Uh, we'll, we'll take a look at all these games that happen and, and really all the big games that go down on Friday night as well. So uh, we'll do that. Should be available for you on Monday. Until then, enjoy your Friday night football.